Chapter 8 of Young Robin Hood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Minnie Ang. Young Robin Hood by George Fenn. Chapter 8 The sun was low down in the west, and shining through and under the great oak and beech trees, so that everything seemed to be turning to orange and gold. It was the outlaws' supper time, the sun being their clock in the forest, and the men were gathering together to enjoy their second great meal of the day, the other being breakfast, after having which they always separated to go hunting through the woods to bring in the provisions for the next day. Robin Hood's men, then, were scattered about under the shade of a huge spreading oak tree, waiting for the roast venison, which sent a very pleasant odour from the glowing fire of oak wood and young Robin was seated on the mossy grass, close by the thatched shed which formed the captain's headquarters, where Maid Marian was busy spreading the supper for the little party who ate with Robin Hood himself. Little John was there, lying down, smiling, and contented after a hard day's hunting, listening to young Robin, who was displaying the treasures he had brought in that day, and telling his great companion where he had found them. There were flowers for Maid Marian, because she was fond of the purple and yellow loosestrife, and long, thick reeds in a bundle. "'You can make me some arrows of those,' said Robin, "'and I found a young yew tree with a bow quite straight. "'You must cut that down and dry it to make me a bigger bow. "'This one is not strong enough.' "'Very well, big one,' said Little John, smiling and stretching out his hand to smooth the boy's curly brown hair. "'Anything else for me to do?' "'Oh, yes, lots of things. Only I can't think of them yet. "'Look here. I found these.' The boy took some round prickly husks out of his pocket, chestnuts, eating ones. Yes, I know where you got them, said Little John, but they're no good. Look. He tore one of the husks open and laid bare the rich brown nut, but it was, as he said, good for nothing, there being no hard sweet kernel within, nothing but soft pithy woolly stuff. No good at all, continued the great forester, but I'll show you a tree which bears good ones. Only the nuts are better if they're left till they drop out of their husks. And then the pigs get them, said Robin. Then you must get up before the pigs and be first. Halloa, what now? For a horn was blowing at a distance, and the men under the great oak tree sprang to their feet, while Robin Hood came out to see what the signal meant. Young Robin, who was now quite accustomed to the forester's ways, caught up his bow like the rest, and stood looking eagerly in the direction from which the cheery-sounding notes of the horn were blown. He had not long to wait, for half a dozen of the merry men in green came marching towards them with a couple of prisoners, each having his hands fastened behind him with a bowstring and a broad bandage tied over his eyes, so that they should not know their way again to the outlaw stronghold. "'Prisoners!' said young Robin. "'Poor men, too,' grumbled little John. "'Then you'll give them their supper and send them away tomorrow morning?' said young Robin. "'I suppose so,' said little John. "'But I don't know what made our fellows bring them in.' "'Let's go and see,' said young Robin. Little John followed as the boy marched off, bow in hand, to where Robin Hood was standing, waiting to hear what his men had to say about the prisoners they had brought in. And as they drew near, the boy saw that one was a homely, poor-looking man with round shoulders, the other well-dressed in sad-coloured clothes, and thin and bent. But the boy could see little more for the broad bandage, which nearly covered the prisoner's face and was tied tightly behind over his long grey hair, 
while his grey beard hung down low. Young Robin looked pityingly at this prisoner, and a longing came over him to loosen the thong which tied his hands tightly behind him, and take off the bandage so he could breathe freely. But just then Robin Hood cried, "'Well, my lads, whom have we here?' The bowed-down grey-haired prisoner rose erect at this and cried, "'Is that Robin Hood who speaks?' Before the outlaw could answer, he was stopped by a cry from the boy, who threw down his bow and darted to the prisoner's side. "'Father!' he cried, and he leaped up, as active now as one of the deer of the forest, to fling his arms about the prisoner's neck. But only for a moment. The next he had dropped to the ground, to look fiercely around at the astonished men, as he drew the dagger which hung from his belt. "'Who dare do this?' he cried, as he reached up to tear the bandage from the face bending over him, and then darted round to begin sawing at the thong which held his father's hands. Little John took a step or two forward to help the boy, but Robin Hood held up his hand to keep him back, and a dead silence fell upon the great group of foresters who had pressed forward, and who eagerly watched the scene before them in the soft amber sunshine which came slanting through the trees. The task was hard, but the little fellow worked well, and many moments had not elapsed before the prisoner's hands were free, and as if seeing no one but the little forester before him in green, and quite regardless of all around, he dropped upon his knees, clasped the boy to his breast, and softly whispered the words, "'Thank God!' Young Robin's arms were tightly round his father's neck by this time, and he was kissing the careworn face again and again. "'They didn't know who you were, father! They didn't know who you were!' cried the boy passionately, as if asking his father's pardon for the outrage committed upon him. "'No, Rob,' said the sheriff in a choking voice, "'they did not know who I was. But you know your poor old father again.' "'Know you again?' cried the boy, hanging back, and looking at his father wonderingly. "'Why, yes! But what a long time you've been before you came to fetch me!' "'Yes, yes, my boy. A long, long year of misery and sorrow. But I have found you now, at last.' "'Oh, I am glad!' cried the boy, struggling free, and catching his father's hand to lead him towards where Robin Hood and Marian were standing, wet-eyed, looking on. "'This is my father!' cried the boy proudly. "'This is Robin Hood, the captain, father,' he continued, and the sheriff bowed gravely. "'And this is Maid Marian, who has been so good to me.' The sheriff bowed slowly and gravely, as if to the greatest lady in the land, and then the boy dragged at his father's hand. "'And this is old Little John, father,' he cried. "'I say, isn't he big?' The sheriff bowed again, and the great outlaw's face wore such a comic expression of puzzlement that Robin Hood laughed aloud, and completed his great follower's confusion. "'He has been so good to me, father,' cried young Robin. "'I can shoot with bow and arrow now, and sound my horn. Hark!' The boy clapped his horn to his lips, and blew a few cheery notes which ran echoing down the forest glades, and the men assembled gave a hearty cheer. "'You're welcome to the woodlands, Master Sheriff.' said Robin Hood, advancing now with extended hand. Do not take this as the outlaw's hand, nor extend yours as the sheriff, but let it be the grasp of two Englishmen, one of whom receives a guest. I thank you, sir, said the sheriff slowly. I can give you nothing but thanks, for after a year of sorrow I find my child is after all alive and well. And I hope not worse than when accident brought him into our hands. What do you say? Do you find him changed?' "'Bigger and stronger,' said the sheriff, drawing the boy closer to him, while the little fellow clung to his hand. 
our woodland life and i warrant you master sheriff that he is none the worse for he is the truest most gracious little fellow i have ever met here little namesake speak out and let your father know you have been a good boy ever since you came here to stay young robin was silent and looked from one to the other in a curiously abashed fashion well boy why don't you speak cried robin hood merrily i want master sheriff to hear that we have not spoiled you come tell him you have always been a good boy haven't you young robin hung his head no he said slowly with his brow wrinkled up his head hanging and one foot scraping softly at the mossy grass no not always little john burst into a tremendous roar of laughter and began to stamp about with the result that young robin made a dash at him and tried vainly to climb up and clap his hand over the great fellow's lips don't don't tell cried the boy ran at me only yesterday cried little john and began to thrash me in a fashion don't tell tales out of school little john cried robin hood laughing there rob you must forgive him we're none of us perfect master sheriff and if your little fellow had been quite so i don't think that we should all to a man here have loved him half so well but come after his confession i think you will grant me one thing and that is in spite of his having spent a year in the outlaw's camp he is as honest as the day nothing could make my robin tell a lie said the sheriff proudly but sir i have come humbly to you now glad even to be your prisoner so that i once more might see my child my prisoner if you had come amongst us with your posse of armed men sir said robin hood proudly as it is master sheriff you come here alone with your guide and i bid you welcome to our greenwood home fate made me what i am the sheriff's enemy but the gentle frisitor's friend come rob my boy show your father where he can take away the travel stains and then bring him to our humble board it was the next day that was to be young robin's last with the outlaws in the merry greenwood and all were gathered together to bid him farewell and see him safely with his father on the road but not as the sheriff had come wearily and on foot for half a dozen of the best mules were forthcoming and the guests were to ride back on their journey home who does not know how hard it is to say good-bye young robin did not till the time had come he awoke that morning joyful and eager to start for it was to go back home in company with the father whom he loved but when the time came he had to learn how tightly so many of his little heart-strings had taken hold of the life under the greenwood tree everything about him had grown dear and there was almost a mule load of treasures and pets of his own collecting that could not be left behind and when they had been carefully packed in panniers by little john and one of the men there was the task of bidding them all good-bye and then those two words grew harder every time but he spoke up manfully and well in spite of a choking sensation till nearly the last for i'm coming again he said and you'll take care of my pet fawn for me little john and always remember to feed it well and don't forget the dog and that dormouse we couldn't find so that i can have it when i come back and croak what was that it was a peculiar sound made up in the air by little john and that did it for when young robin looked up in astonishment it was to see the great fellow's face all puckered up and yes there were two great tears rolling down his cheeks as he caught the boy in his arms and kissed him and so it was that when young robin ran to bid maid marian good-bye he could no longer hold it back 
as he clasped his arms about her neck and kissed her passionately again and again the sobs came fast but the word good-bye would not come at all and when they rode away the boy dared not look back for fear the men should see his red and swollen eyes so he only waved his hat and kept waving it to the last but he was to see some of his friends again for about a year after the sheriff of nottingham had the strangest visitors of his lifetime at his house and young robin enjoyed the task of welcoming them for as one old history says robin hood was forgiven and restored by the king to his rightful possessions and then it was that he was gladly welcomed by the sheriff who said he was honoured by the visit of the nobleman and his lady but it was nothing to young robin that his old friend was an earl and his lady a countess they were still robin hood and maid marian to him and big little john their follower his old friend and companion full of memories of his year's happy life in the merry greenwood end of chapter 8 recording by minnie ang greater toronto area end of young robin hood by george fenn